Welcome to Views from the Porch, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your young adult years. Each week, we talk about the biggest challenges facing young adults today and how to overcome them from God's Word based on our weekly experience in leading thousands of young adults at the porch. For more info on the porch, visit theporch.live. Thank you for joining. What's up, guys? It's your boy JP here with Views from the Porch, and I got my friends David, Jay, Marvin, and Elena Haas in the studio. That's right. Come on. It's pumped. What are we talking about today? We are talking about uh, 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 alcohol. Uh, oh, man. That's it. Just Blame it, it on the, uh, 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 alcohol. All right. What are we talking about? Yeah, man. Um, is light beer the same as regular beer? No, definitely not. That's funny how, like, it's funny how there's like a resurgence in the church around beer. And so, you know, there was like, Back in the day, monks would actually brew beer, and now you still you still see that in um, crazy in in some of the heavier beers out there. It's like Trappist monks and whatnot are brewing it. It's it's just this weird kind of resurgence going on, and like in other in other places. So we are we do ministry in the context of Dallas, Fort Worth, but in other contexts, like it's normal to have a ministry meeting and and drink. And growing up Catholic, the priest would come over after church, and like as soon as he would get to our house, you know, he would just pop open a beer and and then we would have lunch. You know, he's drinking like at noon or eleven thirty. That's a total Catholic thing. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, no, it is. It, 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 I feel like the church has had such an interesting uh, relationship with alcohol from prohibition to uh, like the very first uh, thing, uh, the very first building erected at Plymouth Rock was a brewery. How about mm-hmm. that? Uh, to so you have you know both extremes and then um, anything and everything in between. And, um, and just the relationship the church has had in more recent history has been more of a, uh, toe, toll tag. What's it called? What teetotaler? Toll tag. <laughs> There's been a toll tag yeah, where a teetotaler, where teetotaler. it's just been very uh, prohibited, and, and there's a lot of healthy reasons around that. And so, yeah, man, what do you think the, uh, what does the Bible have to say about alcohol? Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I believe that Jesus drank. And so when he, you know, there at the Last Supper, when um, the the when he instituted the uh, idea of communion, that that was wine. It wasn't grape juice. You'll you'll hear all of these theories in the church, like oh, the water wasn't clean, so they had to drink wine. Um, it wasn't it wasn't alcoholic wine. It was more like grape juice, but they called it wine. You hear hear all of this. I don't buy into any of that. Uh, you know, the the scripture says the wine makes the heart glad. It talks about in the proverbs of uh, of the poor trying to for, uh, forget their worries. Uh, in Proverbs 21, I'll read it. I'm just going to pull it up real quick. Uh, Proverbs uh, 23, rather. I said 21. 21 also talks about it. But 23 says, Those who linger over wine go to sample bowls of mixed wine. Do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Uh, your eyes will see strange sights. So this is clearly alcoholic wine. And your mind will imagine uh, confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas. Some of you listening, you've experienced that laying in your bed. And you're like, is the room moving? Is it spinning? Lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. When will I wake up so I can find another drink? And that's just a picture of, you know, some of our life in college. It's like, you know, go to the party, uh, drink a lot, lay in bed, the room spinning, get up, hug the toilet, get in a fight maybe right before that, but you don't feel it because you're drunk. You wake up the next day and it's like, man, I got a hangover. The only cure for the hangover is another beer. 
And um, and so I think this I think the scripture you know says a lot about it. It speaks it speaks into this in in several different places. Yeah, and just kind of gives us some rules around to follow it. Where essentially the the clearest command, at least one of them, is not don't drink, but don't get drunk. Drunkenness, without question, clearly is a sin in scripture. Absolutely right. And and why why is that? Well, because I, I you know, it says, so it's Ephesians 5.18, which you're referencing, and it, it says, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And so I think God wants us to be in control of God. I mean, us to be under the control of God, um, under control of His Spirit, under the influence. So think if you get pulled over after you've had too much to drink, you get a DUI, driving under the influence, or a DWI, driving while intoxicated. And God is saying, hey, I want you to be constantly under the influence of my spirit. And if you think about it, it's it's uh, has similar benefits without the cost, without the hangover. And so the reason we drink so often is to escape the worries, uh, as we talked about at the porch recently, to get over breakups. You know, your, your heart's hurt. You're like, oh, you get home from a long day of work. Oh, I need a glass of wine. And I would just be cautious with that. I idea, that mentality that you need a glass of wine. What you're talking about in that uh, instance is using something to help you escape reality, to use something to numb your pain, to use something to help you get over this breakup or help you forget about it. And I think what God is saying is, hey, no, I'm here. You have a Father who loves you. I've gifted to you my Holy Spirit. What about in the midst of that breakup, you didn't run to, to wine, you didn't run to beer, you didn't run to a shot of Patron. What if you leaned into me? And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, similar to when we're drunk, but again, without the hangover, we what do we see? Are we worries. We see that we grow in trust of God. We see our worries dissipate. Um, our, our mind, Lord, the Lord often leads our mind away from that which troubles us, uh, the benefits that we see Jesus talk about in Matthew 6. And so I just think God loves us and he knows that um, alcohol, nothing good comes from being drunk. I mean, that is the reality is as you, you get drunk to try to escape reality, but reality is still waiting for you. I love what my friend Elena said uh, recently too is, is so often we get drunk to do the things that we don't have the courage to do when we're sober and so that we can use it as an excuse. Oh, well, I was, I was drunk like we, we sang at the beginning, you know, blame it on the alcohol. And you can't get, you're not going to get up there to God and God's going to be like, hey, why didn't you follow me down there? And you'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, God, I was drunk. That's not going to go well for any of us, you know? Yeah, so, so what about the person who's listening thinking that uh, we live in a new age, Part of the reason they drank in, in ancient times and ancient uh, in Jesus's world was because water, uh, there wasn't a water filtration system. There wasn't, you know, you would drink water and possibly get sick. You get wine, you drink wine and you get drunk, but you drink water and you get sick. So, hey, let's, let's roll the dice and drink the wine. Today, we're not at risk, at least in America, we have clean water and access to that. So what would you say to the person who would say, I'm not sure we're even supposed to drink alcohol because we do have access to clean water, you don't need it for the purpose of, of uh, you know, health or protection from bacteria and, and disease. I would say to that person, don't drink alcohol. I think that's I think that's fantastic. If that's if that's where they land in their own conviction, uh, or how they interpret the scriptures, I mean, I don't think you're gonna, uh, you know, I, I don't think God's discouraged with them. Now, when they start projecting that on other people and saying, hey, I think if um, you know, the fact that that church serves real wine during communion 
and they they think that's a sin, I would just be like, man, I, I would proceed with caution there because again, Jesus, I believe, drank actual wine, and I think it's Isaiah twenty six. Uh, it, when it describes heaven, that we're going to drink vintage wine. And so, oh, and what was Jesus' first miracle at Cana of Galilee, right? The, the wedding at Cana. He, water and wine. He turned water into wine. And you could say, well, it was, you know, it wasn't real wine. No, it, it says you say most people serve the good stuff first. And then when, you know, people get drunk, then they turn, turn uh, you know, unveil the cheap wine, the the Boone's farm or the, the box wine, but no, you waited till the end to serve the fine wine. That that guy complimented Jesus on his wine. He's like, man, you made great wine. Got the good stuff. Yes. The good stuff. And so that's his very first miracle. And so I don't think we have grounds to say that alcohol of any kind is, is absolutely forbidden in the kingdom when it says clearly in the scripture that it will be a part of the kingdom. But let's be honest. Most of the people that are arguing to be able to drink, abuse it. I mean, that that's that is my opinion. Um, that's a judgment claim based on my observation. I think most people that argue for the ability to drink, uh, they they really want to justify their abuse of alcohol. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, do you know what? Uh, have you heard of Welch's grape juice? Sure. This is a fun fact. You heard of Welch's grape juice, Elena? Mm-hmm. At uh, my church, they didn't have real wine. They had a Welch's. You know who Dr. Welch was? That was a fun fact. Hey. <laughs> Wait, was that was that the fun fact? I'm not oh, okay, the fun fact's still coming. Okay. Dr. Welch was a Methodist pastor who created Welch's grape juice because he did not want to serve regular wine in his church, and it just kind of like caught on and exploded, right or wrong. You can't that, just make that, dude, that stuff up here on the podcast. I did actually make that entire story up. <laughs> Welch, I don't know who, who, we don't know who that guy is. No, that's not true. That's actually what happened there. But um, but yeah, dude, I think there's, there's what I hear you saying, what the Bible lays forward is there's errors on legalism and licentiousness. Or if you just, if you say no one can drink, that I don't think anybody should, that's probably an error. That is an error. And um, on the other side of just saying, hey, I can drink whatever I want, whenever I want, then that's going to be an error as well. Yeah, well, you said legalism. Let's just define that. I, I think a, a good uh, uh, definition of legalism is when when you take a principle that's good for you that the Bible doesn't speak explicitly to or implicitly to, and you say, this is what everyone must do. And so it's kind of like if a guy is... Um, a guy says, well, I'm struggling with pornography, and so I can't have a computer. And you know what? No guys should have a computer. Well, the, the Bible doesn't say that men shouldn't have computers, and so that would be a legalistic statement. And so if you're saying, hey, I don't think that I should drink, and you know what? I don't think anyone should drink, I would just say, hey, the Bible doesn't condemn uh, you know, having a glass of wine. And so that would be an example of legalism. But it does give us wisdom principles that we should apply if we're going to do that. Yeah, caution. It, there's an old Martin Luther quote that people want to get rid of alcohol because of the abuse that takes place with it. And he says, man, it's just illogical. Uh, p- men abuse uh, alcohol. They abuse women. They abuse uh, lots of things. But no one says we should get rid of women because men would abuse them, which is a tragic thing. But his point was just, hey, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, at the same time, to your point, alcohol has ripped apart a lot of people's lives. And just to make sure that we're abundantly clear, because I'm guessing this is one of those conversations where um, no matter how careful we are, we're going to get an email because people are going to assume, hey, I can't believe you encourage people not to drink. Or they're going to say, I can't believe that you allowed an open door for people to to have a drink of alcohol. So where you want to send those emails is david.marvin 
at watermark.org. Which is a non-existent email. <laughs> so yes, send them there and you may get a bounce back. But I, Yeah, I think that's, I think what you're saying is right. Uh, and um, I mean, just in case you're listening and we don't know each other, I mean, uh, abusing alcohol is a part of my past. And so all through college, I mean, really starting in high school, uh, keg stands, funneling beer on the lake, you know, shotgunning beer, starting the night with shots of Patron, uh, you know, all of that was my life in college uh, almost uh, every day. And so I understand the abuse that's taking place. I've seen in ministry now, you know, firsthand this rip families apart. And so I just think a lot of people don't go into it thoughtfully. And that's what I would encourage anyone who says, hey, I'm going to drink to do so thoughtfully. And every now and then, you know, I have this conversation with someone. They say, well, drinking's not a big deal. And I'm like, well, cool. if it's not a big deal, then don't do it. Mm. You know, if, if you want to just totally play it safe and it's not a big deal, don't do it. But usually when you start to think about, oh, I'm never going to do that, then it's like all of a sudden it becomes a big deal. Well, no, I mean, I don't ever, never want to do it. Oh, okay. So it is a big deal. Let's, let's just be honest about it. Yeah. So what are some of the occasions where it would be appropriate to have a drink? Yeah, I think that's that's the right. So I'll give you I'll give you four um, principles to apply, or or you can even say questions to ask uh, before you have a drink. So you ask these four questions every time before you consume alcohol, and I think um, that is being thoughtful. And so the the first one is um, is is anybody going to be offended by this? And so I think we can take the posturing that, oh, well, if they're going to be offended by it, that's their problem, or I want to, I want to shepherd them, and so I'm going to drink. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've actually taken that mentality early in my faith when uh, some family members were offended by drinking. I'm like, I'm going to show them how you can do it responsibly. And I, as I read the Scripture, I don't think that's the right move. If they're going to be offended by it, then I need to honor, you know, their convictions, um, uh, you know, their lines, and I'll just uh, refrain from it in order to love my brother. That's really what Christ calls us to, to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's really a great question to ask before you do anything. How much can I love the people around me? And so that comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I would say, uh, uh, as long as no one is offended by it, or ask yourself the question, is this going to offend anyone? And just to be clear, let, what, is, what do you mean offended? Where they're just like, hey, I don't, I don't think this is the right environment to drink, or I don't think you should drink, or I don't think people should drink. Like that's where their lines are. Great, I, I'm going to love you by by just refraining from alcohol this evening. Love it. Okay, that's a that's a great one. Any other ones? You yeah. And so that's so the first question: Would anyone be offended by it? First Corinthians chapter eight. Um, would would this cause anyone to stumble? Now, this is something that I think a lot of people forsake because. Uh, what do I mean by cause someone to stumble? Is there anyone who's going to see me drinking and take that as permission to uh, cross a line for themselves? Is is there anyone who is going to, to take what I do in moderation and do it in excess? And a way that this happens often is when you go hang out with your friends or you go to that bachelor party, that bachelorette party, and they're getting drunk. And in some ways, you are affirming their drunkenness by having a beer. And so with the right thing to do in that situation or circumstances, hey, you know what? I'm not going to drink so that you guys learn that you don't have to drink to have a good time. And I just think a lot of listeners right now don't believe that. I think that the truth is you don't believe that you don't have to drink to have a good time. You think that you you know to have a good time you have to drink and it's boring to not drink and I would just say man the enemy has really manipulated you he's really burned you there and so that second question is 
Will this cause anyone to stumble? And that comes from Romans 14, where it just talks about the weaker brother. And so in both of these contexts, 1 Corinthians 8, Romans 14, is not just talking about drinking, but but eating meat sacrificed to idols. But it gives us a principle that we can apply uh, to, to really anything that we do. And so is this going to cause somebody to stumble? It's good. Uh, if it is going to, if somebody's going to do what I do in moderation and excess, then I'm just going to refrain because it's what I want to do is love those around me as much as I possibly can. That's what's going to honor God. Jesus says the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so if we operate in a mode of love, we're usually going to land in the right place. The third thing, as you've already addressed, is you know as long as you don't get drunk— um, and so what are, you know, know your limits, like just know, I don't, I don't think that it's wrong to have a glass of wine with a meal, uh, as long as, you know, these questions, you've been thoughtful, but to have three glasses of wine with a meal, that, that may be sin. And, and so you need to, to go into the evening understanding, Hey, I'm just going to have one drink, um, and, and just be responsible. And that's Ephesians five eighteen. do not get drunk on wine but be filled with the Spirit. Good. Not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Yeah. And was there a, a, yeah, so the last one is just then, it's it's really a catch-all, but it's said explicitly in the Scripture, can I do this to the glory of God? Can I drink to the glory of God? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it to the glory of God. And so can I drink to the glory of God? And so, you know, can I have a glass of wine and look at it like communion, Um Make sure that no one is offended by what I've done. I'm not going to cause anyone to stumble. I'm not going to get drunk and to do this for the glory of God. And uh, and so, First Corinthians ten thirty one is a great verse to consider. Yeah, it's interesting. I I don't know. Um, it, sometimes I wonder if you're God and you know everything about how alcohol has just been so destructive in so many families' lives, I've, close family members in my life. It has been so destructive in. And, uh, and close friends that we both have have experienced the destructive nature of alcoholism and, and everything in between. Uh, do you ever wonder why did you give mankind alcohol? Yeah. And, and how would you answer the person asking that? Well, you know, Paul says to, to Timothy, you know, to have a glass of wine, you know, his stomach hurts. And so he says, hey, have a glass of wine. So I think God, in, in his mercy, knowing that this world is broken and that people hurt, um, that that he's given us, you know, things like the cocoa plant, things uh, that we can create medicine from, and uh, and the, those drugs that we know as pharmaceutical drugs, they they serve a purpose. But as you abuse them, like you would a street drug, um, you know, it 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 causes a lot of pain. And so if I'm going to have a surgery today, David, on my on you know, if I'm going to get cut open for something, I'm going to want them to give me drugs. Uh, and that's going to be a blessing. That is an act of mercy to me. And this is why there's no drugs in hell. People think, oh, I'm going to go to hell and, and party. No, you're not. There's no drugs or alcohol in hell. There's nothing in hell that will numb the pain. And it's not a party in hell. It's 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 a weeping, gnashing of teeth, mourning, sadness, sorrow, depression, despair. That's what awaits us there. And so I think that it was really an act of mercy in some ways. And I think there's a there's a part, too, just like a celebratory glass of wine. That's why he says, you know, we'll, we'll enjoy that in heaven. Yeah, that's good. On the other side, a question that there may not be an exact biblical answer for, but I'd love to hear your response or maybe something that that we could point to. Um, when someone says I'm drunk or when someone says, uh, Hey, you can have a glass or you can have some alcohol, but you just can't get drunk. I think a lot of people think, great. I'm, I'm just a little buzzed. I'm not drunk. What does drunk even mean? I mean, I'm not like, 
I remember most of it the next morning or I'm not slurring my words. How would you tell the person, when do I know that I've, I've crossed the line from, man, I just had a drink to I'm drunk? I'm going to say something crazy here, but I don't know that the Bible distinguishes buzzed or drunk. And so, like, you know, you, you know, uh, if you're a man and you're standing at the urinal and you kind of start swaying back and forth, this is like, real. oh, man, I know. Yeah, it did. No, it got real a long time ago. All I know to do is real. That's all I do is real. And so if you're standing at the urinal and you start swaying back and forth, rocking like you're on a ship, I mean, you're drunk. It's not you're not buzzed like you. You have crossed the line. I don't know what the equivalent is for girls. Elena, if you do jump in and let us know. But I think when you begin to feel the alcohol working, your, your lips loosen. Your, well, you know, another thing uh, that, that I look back on my life and when I have struggled with lust the most, it has been a time that was paired with alcohol. And that's a reason that I don't drink hardly ever now is because, you know, it's just, it leads to other sins and other temptations. I don't know if there's an exact girl equivalent to that. I know one thing girls do when they get drunk or definitely past buzz is taking off your shoes at the club. That's always a classic. Um, Can't read the text message. <laughs> yeah, you, and then they'll like, you can't really read your phone. You have to close one your one of your eyes to like read a text or yeah. I, probably if you t- if you have your shoes off at the club, you've blown way past the uh, the the line of don't get drunk on wine, and that that's the reality. But I mean, you this is a part of your story, and so like you you would go out, you would drink, and and then you haven't for how long? So it's been about six years now um, that I haven't drank anything, but that's only because I have a past of, um, yeah, I used to drink all the time in college and used to work at a club and was very just immersed in the, um, just the drunken lifestyle and drinking all the time. So now I just, once I became a believer, I put kind of guardrails for myself because I know how that can be a ditch for me and um, just kind of never looked back, haven't started drinking again, but I'm open to it, um, but just haven't felt like it's time for me to start again yet. My, my wife, Monica, did the same thing. And so we were not Christians when we met and we would go party together, go clubbing together. And then uh, we became Christians. And when she became a believer, like she just, she stopped drinking altogether and hasn't drank in, in years and just it has no, has zero appetite for it. It's not uh, anything that she enjoys. And it's, it's interesting to see the spirit of God uh, do that and just kind of remove that, that appetite and, and desire. So it's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I hope this is anything you guys would add. No, I think you hit it. All right. Well, I hope this is helpful to you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Views from the porch. As always, you can uh, email us your questions where? At info at the porch dot live. Info at the porch dot live. And so we will see you next week. We want to thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about the Porch Ministry, visit us at theporch.live or follow us on social media at The Porch.